Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm really excited about a book that we get to talk about today, an author we get to talk with today. Really excited about a new book that just came out this year. I um, I enjoy listening to books on my commute. Uh, yes. And I know you are more like hard copy sort of person. So well, it's going to be fun talking <laughs> with the guests because it's it, it, it's just actually quite a bit of talking about reading yes. in today's conversation. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Brett McCracken. He's senior editor for the Gospel Coalition, author of uh, a number of books, Uncomfortable, Hipster Christianity, Gray Matters, and most recently, The Wisdom Pyramid, Feeding Your Soul in a Post-Truth World, which uh, I think we did just a, a little chat about it mm-hmm. a few weeks. Oh, it's been a few weeks, been a couple of months now. Uh, <laughs> so excited to have you with us today, Brett. Thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So The Wisdom Pyramid uh, feeding your soul in a post-truth world. I was intrigued by just the title alone yeah. and and decided to dig in and bought the book and have enjoyed every page of it. Um, I, Sarah's been crash reading it uh, mm-hmm. most recently. Why didn't you show me this book before? Yes, yes. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> let's start, let's kick it off with a fun question about information and how we consume it. What is significant about how we consume information today in comparison to previous generations? Yeah, I mean, man, there's a lot to say there, but um, a couple things that I say in the book that have created this unique moment of what I call an epistemological crisis, like the post-truth idea. One is that we consume like more information than any previous generations of humans were ever confronted with. Like literally our brains the human brain has never been glutted with as much data and information and stimuli coming at it all day, every day, as it is today in the digital age where, where we open up our phones or our devices and it's just a constant barrage of information. So there's, there's just the sheer glut of information. Um, then there's the speed of it. I think the, the speed with which we process information and we kind of have to like cycle through information so quickly um, in order to keep up, um, that's also a new a new thing. We've never gone f- as fast as we have in human history with regard to information. And then uh, a third big thing that I talk about in the book is the orientation of information, which is very much tailored to us as individuals. There's no longer kind of this shared sense of common information, common narratives, common facts you know, common truth. That's why we're in a post-truth era is because the, the very structure of the internet and social media is such that everyone has a different experience of reality and you can kind of curate your own little bubble of reality and opt into certain voices and mute other voices. And over time, the algorithms figure that out and they, they perpetuate it even more. And so I think that orientation around individual users is it's just creating this fragmentary chaos where, where you know there's a million different versions of reality out there and and it's no wonder we aren't making much progress in discussions about important issues because everyone's coming to the table with totally different sets of facts and realities based on their their media bubbles 
Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned post-truth uh, a few times and it's in the subtitle of the book. Can you unpack that just a little bit more? Mm-hmm. So, Because that is that is such a, an, an interesting and maybe a little terrifying uh, phrase. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is a terrifying phrase. Um, and I go into kind of the reasons why it's terrifying in the book. But it's not a phrase I kind of came up with on my own. It's mm-hmm. I think the Oxford English Dictionary actually named post-truth the word of the year a couple of years ago, I think it was 2016. Um, and then Time Magazine, you might have seen the cover that they came out with in 2017 with the question, is truth dead? Question mark. And what, what's interesting about that cover is that it's designed in a way to kind of mimic the design of a, of a Time Magazine cover 50 years earlier that had another three-word question. But in that case, it was, is God dead? Question mark. And that was in like the 60s. And so that's interesting, right? So when we're talking about being in a post-truth era, I think we have to go back in time further to kind of chart this trajectory, which has been a long time brewing. You know, you can probably take it all the way back to maybe like the Enlightenment with certain thinkers like Rousseau and Descartes, who basically like took truth outside of the realm of the transcendent, where it was something outside of the self and every individual self had to be subject to like this capital T truth, true for everyone truth. And then over time it became like, well, maybe truth is just inside ourselves. Maybe our consciousness and our own kind of brain is the the location of truth. And that's just been kind of the steady uh, track Western civilization has been on for centuries now. And I think we're reaching kind of the the end game where <laughs> once you start to conceive of truth in that highly subjective sense where it really is just like look within yourself and live your truth, right? We hear that phrase like Oprah, you know, in her acceptance speech a couple of years ago, I think at the Golden Globe, she said something like, you know, everyone just needs to live their truth. Mm-hmm. And that's like, we don't bat an eye at that. It's just such a common phrase. So that's where we're at, right? If everyone's just living their truth and I have my truth and you have your truth, then the natural result of that is that truth as an idea ceases to make any sense. And so thus we're in a post-truth world. So objective truth just doesn't even exist. We've gotten to this point that the only form of truth we have is subjective truth where we're curved in on ourselves. and Yeah. <laughs> And Luther talks about how dangerous that is and yes. we're curved in on ourselves. So I want to go back to uh, information, how we how we consume information, the, use this term information gluttony. How did we get to information gluttony? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just again, it's 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 not something that happened overnight. I think it's been a progression, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it is honestly tied up with. Um, consumerism and kind of companies, corporations that are making money off of our attention. And so if, if it's, if these companies like Facebook and YouTube and, you know, before that, like broadcast television stations, cable, if they make money, the more eyeballs are watching or clicking, then they are incentivized. They're highly incentivized to, get us hooked, right? To get us kind of feeding at the buffet of constant con- content um, at, at constantly, basically throughout the day. And that's, I think, so we've been conditioned to do this by these profit-seeking companies that 
have every interest in commandeering our attention. And so now, you know, we've been sucked into that and it's scary because I see it. I'm sure you guys can relate to this, but I see it in my own habits. I, I just was driving my kids to daycare this morning and on my drive back, I noticed myself every time I was at a stoplight for like 30 seconds, I had like, I pull out my phone and I like start scrolling and there's nothing I'm doing. There's no, no like reason nothing in particular I need to find on my phone. It's just this habit that we've been habituated into where we fill every open moment in our lives with content. And so it's like we're going back to the world's biggest, like all you can eat buffet. And we're, we just keep filling our plate with more and more food. And a lot of the times it's kind of junk food, right? <laughs> it's like, it's very like, sugary, not nutritious junk food. And that's a huge part of the problem that we're in, I think. It's funny you mentioned that story. I was literally reading the book this morning and I decided to check my email and then I all of a sudden got sucked <laughs> into Facebook and I was scrolling through Facebook right? and I was like, I just read. <laughs> like, that's how it works. I know. In the book. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I had to laugh because yep. it, you're right. It is just this thing that all of us do now. And it's so hard to pull yourself mm -hmm. away from that uh, because we're so conditioned to do it now. What does all of that constant input do to us and our mental health and our relationships with and our ability to actually um, relate to other people yeah. in physical person? Man, there's a lot to say there. <laughs> um, I feel like each of these questions could be an entire podcast conversation. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, one thing that it does is it just removes time and space for critical thinking. You know, when, when we fill every moment of our lives with consuming content and we just go from thing to thing to thing, whether it's like, I just finished re reading an article and now I'm going to click on this podcast that I've been meaning to listen to. And then I'm going to check Facebook and then I'm going to, you know, watch something on Netflix. Like when we do that, there's just no space left in our brains and our souls to actually process any of it. And so this is where kind of eating food parallels come in I, throughout the book. I kind of make these connections with physical health and how we eat. And it's just like with eating food, right? If you, if you're constantly eating super fast and you just go from thing to thing, you're snacking all day, your body doesn't have any time to just kind of like digest it and, and, and kind of process the nutrients. Um, and the same is true, I think, spiritually, when we're, when we're optimizing every moment for like consuming content. And here's the thing, even if it's all good content, even if every podcast, every article, every documentary is like a super educational, super help, helpful thing, it's still bad for us, right? Because it still leaves us with this problem of no unmediated space in our lives to actually <laughs> to actually think deeply and and rest and i think that's where wisdom is actually found it's not wisdom is not just cramming as much information in your brain as you can right wisdom requires a certain amount of open space in your life to to be able to make connections and to let things percolate and um and really just to be silent i love that you write about silence in this book. I enjoyed that. What, but it, it, it presents the question, why do we have an aversion to silence? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I don't think, I think that's like a human thing. I think that's just one of our, like our quirky consequences of the fall is we're such busy bodies and we feel like we have to be doing everything and we don't, you know, we're not, um, we're not inclined to rest because resting is an acknowledgement of limitation. It, it's an acknowledgement that we're not God. And that's the original sin, right? Adam and Eve couldn't, they couldn't come to terms with the fact that they weren't God and they couldn't dictate the laws of what trees are, you know, fair game to eat and what are not. They weren't okay with that. They, they wanted to be God. And I think that's the root of sin and foolishness throughout human history is this propensity we have to like reject our limitations as creatures and pretend like we're the creator, pretend like we're God. And I think anyone who hates resting and who rejects the idea of Sabbath and can never kind of shut off, I think it's this, it's this sinful nature, you know, that's at play there, right? (laughs) This always on, you know, the world depends on me being totally optimized for every moment and being productive and, you know, being aware, being um, in the loop on everything. I Like something I've been saying to myself because I struggle with this is like there's actually wisdom in being out of the loop. Like I'm actually probably wiser for missing out on, you know, a week's worth of Twitter controversies that everyone's freaking out about. Like, I'm probably better off like being blissfully unaware of that. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, I think there's, there's wisdom in shutting off, being quiet, being still and resting. We're discussing the wisdom pyramid, feeding your soul in a post-truth world with Brett McCracken. He's senior editor for the gospel coalition. We have more to talk about and dig into this book. We actually get to the pyramid uh, in, the, in just a little, in just a moment. You're listening to the coffee hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking with Brett McCracken. He's author of The Wisdom Pyramid, uh, Feeding Your Soul in a Post-Truth World. Uh, it, I want to get into the, the actual pyramid that, that you present and that you propose in your book, The Wisdom Pyramid. Um, tell us where you got the idea for this pyramid and, and how, to, how to go about using it. Yeah, so basically, I'm riffing off the food pyramid. So, um, <laughs> if you if you remember, those who are listening to this can probably remember that food pyramid graphic from like health class in in grade school, where we were taught, you know, what food groups should occupy the more foundational layers of our diet, and which food groups, you know, at the top of the pyramid were the, the less important, the ones that we should use sparingly. So. Um, I basically started thinking about how our, our, our spiritual health 
just like our physical health really does depend on intakes. It's, it is, it's all about what comes into us that shapes us for good or for ill. So just as a bad physical diet of food will make you physically sick, a poor diet of information or an imbalanced diet of information will, will make you sick spiritually. And it is making us sick in, in the digital age. And so I, because of that parallel idea, I thought, well, maybe I could do something where I create a wisdom pyramid that's riffing off the food pyramid and I can create different categories like knowledge groups instead of food groups, kind of information groups. And so that's what I did. So it's um, basically the graphic of the wisdom pyramid from the bottom up. It goes from like the, what I think are the most nutritious, the most foundational sources of information that are conducive to wisdom uh, and then building up to the top. Um, so spoiler alert in, in the, in the dessert category of the wisdom pyramid, the, the category that we need to be the most careful about, we need to use it sparingly. That's where I put the internet and social media. Um, and so when people initially look at the graphic of my wisdom pyramid, I think there's this instant like gut check because most of us, if we're honest, have, have really flipped it and, you know, functionally in our day-to-day lives, the internet and social media kind of occupies the foundation of our diet of information. And that's why we're so poor. That's why our health is so poor and we're spiritually impoverished and we're foolish. So in order to be wise, we need to kind of flip it and put first things first and build our lives around more, more nourishing, more time-tested, more ultimately more God-oriented sources. Um, and I think that'll be a diet conducive to wisdom. And one of the things I was going to ask you a little bit tongue in cheek was, can anything good actually come out of the internet, out of the internet? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. I mean, I have the internet on the wisdom pyramid, so I could have left it off. Right. I, I could have, I could have built the wisdom pyramid in such a way that, you know, nothing on the internet is ever conducive to your wisdom. So, uh, but I, but I don't think that's realistic for one, you know, for better or worse, we're, we live in the internet age and we can't put the genie back in the bottle and there's a lot of good things in it. And there's a lot of efficiencies in life that, that we have because of the internet and social media and, you know, one click shopping on Amazon. Like, I don't want to get rid of that. (laughs) Like I want to keep that. Um, but so, so yeah, there are some good things that we can glean from the internet. The one thing that I say in, in the chapter on the internet uh, in the book is that if we can use the internet in a more intentional way where we're not doing that, you know, pull out your phone when you're at a stoplight thing and you're just kind of scrolling aimlessly out of habit, that's where we go wrong. That's where we're just kind of passive and we're at the mercy of whatever distractions the algorithms want to, you know, lure us in with. So I recommend like, you know, only go on the internet when you have a specific thing that you need to do. Like when there's like an article that 10 people in your life offline who you actually know recommended that you read and you just, you Google it and you go read it and then you go offline when you're done. Right. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. go online for specific reasons and then stay online only as long as you need to. So there's many more tips that I give in the book, but that's one. And I also think when the internet is used as as kind of a a place to point people to 
better sources of wisdom, like, you know, the Gospel Coalition, where I'm a, an editor, we're an internet-based ministry. So we we are a website primarily, but most of our content is like about the Bible or about the church. Um, so we're pushing people to those lower categories in the wisdom pyramid. And so if, if, that, if that's how you're using the internet or social media to kind of point people away from the internet as this like thing unto itself and actually pointing them to the healthier sources, then, then that's a worthwhile use of it. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat there too. <laughs> yeah, we can relate to that. <laughs> like, yeah. go find us on the internet because that's where people find our content. So yes, there yeah. there are good things. So you've got the the, the scripture at the, God's word at the bottom of the pyramid. You got um, right. the internet, social media, things at the top. What are the ones? What are the levels in between? How, how can we uh, implement all of these things in our daily lives? <laughs> Yeah, I, I always struggle to answer this question concisely So, because <laughs> there's a lot to say about each of these levels, but I'll just go really quickly. So from, from the Bible going up, the Bible is the foundation. The next level up um, in my wisdom pyramid is the church. Um, and, and one thing I'll say in, in terms of how I ordered these levels is um, it was all about like proximity to God for me because I believe God is the source of all wisdom. Like he is wisdom. He is wisdom embodied. So if that's true, then it makes sense that anything that like has proximity to God uh, is going to be a better source of wisdom for us. So obviously God's word has to be the foundation because it's his, it's like straight from the source, right? It's, it's, uh, it's an infallible direct revelation from God. The church I put as the second most important because it's the second most proximate to God in, in, in the sense that the church is God's presence. It's his people that he's gathering. He's building his church. It's a, it's a space where we come to be formed in you know, the direction of uh, Christ-likeness and holiness and where we come to learn God's word and apply God's word. So the church kind of goes with scripture in the sense of being an interpretive community and also like a, a community that helps everyone who's following Jesus, you know, do it in, in a better way, right? Iron sharpens iron. So the church is the second most important le le level in my wisdom pyramid. And then next up is nature. Um, there's a lot of things I could say about that, but the reason I put it <laughs> as the third most important level is the whole proximity to God thing. Like, God's word is his direct revelation. God's creation in nature is his general revelation. Um, it's still revealing things directly from God uh, in the sense of like an artist making a, a piece of art can tell us things about the artist, right? Um, and, and the Bible itself tells us to do this, right? In Romans 1 and Psalm 19, there's, there's various scriptures that talk about how nature reveals things about God. So that's why I have nature kind of in a, a, a prominent place. Uh, and there, man, there's a lot more I, I could say about that. But yeah. for, for the sake of time, I'll just quickly go to the, the rest of the levels. Then I have books, um, reading books, obviously kind of a no-brainer here, but not just the content in the books that helps mix, make us wise, but the, the very um, habit and process of reading over, like reading a one author over like a span of weeks 
is actually a radical act in like an internet social media age where we're prone to kind of skim read, you know, paragraphs at a time or sentences at a time, tweets at a time. Um, so I think for our wisdom, we need to kind of muscle up in the area of like critical engagement with like one idea over a long period of time. And that's what books can help us do, reading books. And then I have beauty, which is kind of like the arts. Uh, and the reason that's a, a crucial part of a, our wisdom diet is because it speaks to the fact that wisdom isn't just like cerebral. It's not, it's not just a matter of information and data. It, it's something that involves our, our whole bodies, our senses, what we can hear and taste and see and touch. Um, God created us that way for a reason. We're, he didn't just create us to be brains on sticks. And so beauty and the arts kind of work on that level, on the level of sensation and the affective level, emotions, our hearts, our loves, our desire. And so that's why I think beauty beauty can communicate truth in, in ways that like, uh, you know, a theorem or a bullet, a list of bullet points, you know, can't. And so that's, that's why half of the Bible is, is po poetry, right? Or like story. It's the Bible itself uses beauty in order to communicate what God wants to communicate. So if God sees fit to use beauty uh, to impart wisdom to us, uh, then I think we as Christians uh, should value it in our wisdom diet. And then finally, that's the internet and social media is at the top. And we've already talked about that a bit. So there it is. Sparingly. <laughs> Use sparingly, yes. May, now that I think about it, maybe I really related to it because of all the connection to food. Because it's all yes. about food. That's why I like yeah. it so much. <laughs> I know. I'm a foodie, so it was. this was in my wheelhouse to write a book like this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, where can our listeners find The Wisdom Pyramid? Um, it's on Amazon or you know any, any place you typically buy books online. So it should be easy to find. Very good, very good. The Wisdom Pyramid, uh, Feeding Your Soul in a Post-Truth World by Brett McCracken. Brett, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today and a great lively conversation about uh, wisdom and, and how we use information, how we consume information and where to get the good stuff. Thanks so much for being our guest. Yeah, thank you so much. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.